0: Um now, don't you love a good crunchy apple, Jack?
1: I do. Are you for a sweet apple or like kind of like a sour apple?
0: I'm I'm a sweet apple lady. Okay. In fact the sweetness I, will never let you down.
1: I'm kinda of noticing on this that you and I don't really have the same taste.
0: <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> yeah. I'd say i if we like, went to dinner faking. together though, we'd probably like we'd we'd have a good time. We're not faking this this. We're not not faking. All
1: <laughs> okay, no. I I kind of prefer a sour apple
0: okay no no no. I like with a sweet, crack but a crunchy apple yes. I don't like those soft spongy ones they they no. kind of upset me and really. some
1: people do I don't understand how you could how you no. could be for a spongy apple
0: mm. yeah especially apples that like have been sitting out on the counter and they don't have that crunchiness anymore yeah
1: that's an old apple as opposed to a spongy apple though you're just yeah, saying you yeah, don't yeah. like old ones
0: <laughs> well that's true and you know when I was little actually I was afraid of eating the core
1: oh yeah no i'd eat right through the core now.
0: would you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we're definitely different anyway <laughs> but did you know that the ireland's apple commercial growing scene it isn't really developed that much like even no. though we have lots of apples it's not really like hugely developed or we should say like it was at one point but it's not
1: now. no it took a really massive hit and it's not the climate ireland's climate is suitable for growing apples and other countries that have the same climate that ireland has have much more successful commercial apple growing industries.
0: Yeah, I wonder where that is, because Ireland really, like, apples have just been such a huge part of our culture and our history. And like, to prove this, the first recorded pips actually date back to 5,000 years ago. And they were discovered at an archaeological dig in County Mead. And they were most certainly from the wild Irish crab apple. And although these are rare, they can still be found in the Irish landscape today.
1: Mm. Yeah absolutely and and a little bit more history that I was researching Um, in the 7th and 8th centuries AD the ancient Irish Brehan laws classed apple trees among the seven nobles of the woods along with the ash oak, hazel, holly, scots pine and yew and they were uh, there was a big fine if you cut them down and it cost five milking cows and double that if the tree belonged to a
0: chieftain Oh my God, that is a king's ransom, to say the least. So folks, today you guessed it, the topic is all about apples. (laughs) So we're going to find out about the crunchy wonders of the world from interesting history to today's growing scene.
1: Yeah, and we actually asked a few people who we should talk to and the same name came up from absolutely everybody. So we were really lucky to chat to Contras from the apple farm in County Tipperary. He would be one of the kind of bigger commercial growers, but also someone who works a lot in developing the industry itself.
0: Yeah, he's also a researcher and a lecturer too.
1: Yeah. We spoke to Dermot Callaghan from Tagusk to find out about the research that's happening there in terms of growing this commercial apple growing scene. We learned a little bit more about Ireland's craft cider industry, which is actually where the majority of the apples that are grown in Ireland seem to be going, from William O'Callaghan at Longville House. And we also spoke to Elaine Gard from Future Orchard, who has a kind of eco social enterprise community orchard founded in two thousand and nine. So here we go. Is apple your favorite fruit?
2: yeah I would probably yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hope so yeah yeah i grow i tell you i grow I grow strawberries, I grow cherries, I grow plums and raspberries, and oh. <laughs> that's a hard question to answer i i suppose i kind of identify with apples but but i i really like plums and cherries as well so
0: so this is con Truss. he is a cherry lover and an apple identifier and probably ireland's leading expert in apples he grows 40 acres of fruit at the apple farm in county tipperary which includes 60 varieties of apples and as he said himself plenty of other fruit too And all of these are made into a variety of juices, jellies, cider vinegars, jams and a beautiful sparkling apple juice.
1: So as Jolene mentioned, he is not only just a full time farmer, but he also conducts horticultural research. He's a lecturer at the University of Limerick. For many years, he's chaired the Irish Apple Growers Association. So he's kind of the man in the apple know. So we wanted to talk to him about the commercial apple growing scene and also what are the different types of apples that are typically grown here? i suppose just probably about i used to say 40 but it wouldn't be
2: 40 commercial apple growers anymore at this stage i mm. suppose a few more have have really kind of evolved sideways into into they might still have apples but they're yeah. they're probably doing something else uh either with their land or with the apples that they are producing which is which is you know the main part of their business um so there you can group into a few different um sort of groupings there are there are people who grow cider apples on contract mm. for it, mostly for for bulmers but also for some of the smaller scales the arts and cider makers now and cider apples are a completely different uh, you okay. know to 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 eating and cooking apples they they're grown on large trees they're sh- they're in the autumn time the trees are shaken to get the fruit to land on the ground they're picked up with a machine and they're brought for for immediate processing because of course they've been shaken off off the okay. tree yeah um, and then you've got uh, cooking apple growers. So in, in Ireland, we're in, in the Republic of Ireland, we're self-sufficient in, in cooking apples, you could say more or less, um, because about half our apple acreage is cooking apples, the non-cider apple.
3: mm. if, so,
2: if you just put the Easters and cookers together, the cookers make half of that. And the, the um, you know cooking apples are, is a fairly small you know not, not a huge market segment, but you yeah. you've got the people who, who, you know who buy them over and over again, obviously for for baking or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah I'd say food service picks uh, up quite as, a few as, of them as well. Although the food service tend to
2: buy pre-chopped apple, if you know what I mean. Okay. That might be that might be cooking apple, or it might be you know Granny Smith or something. That's you know that's, that's that's grown in France and chopped because they don't grow specific cooking apples in on in most continental Europe. Mm. They just use eating apples for cooking, if you know what I mean.
1: Gotcha. Yeah.
2: So the food service, is, it's hard to define. But in Northern Ireland, you've got uh, Armagh, and the, they grow just cooking apples up there, and their apple area is two and a half times the size of the entire apple in, uh, industry in the south. Okay. So in one county in Armagh? One county, yeah, wow. exactly and they would grow between i suppose a quarter and a third of the of the UK and Ireland cooking apple crop okay. every year so they end up sending a lot of their so they they process cooking apples up there slice and so on dice and they can and so on Pack and send that oh. to, to to England, so so that ends up in Mister Kipling's or you know whoever is, is buying is buying those products, yeah. um, and then a, a share that ends up in the south here as well, obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, as well as some of it ending up in bummers because of they yeah. upgrade apples, apples they end up in bummers and Clamhill, um, yeah. and then that leaves the, the eating apple segment. That's the that's the, the third segment, and whereas the the area is about the same eaters, cookers, and, and cider mm-hmm. apples, um. They, Obviously, the eating apple market is far bigger than than the than the cooking apple market. So that's why we've got such a small proportion of it, okay. uh, with, with what we're going.
0: Yeah. Do you know what's interesting? There is actually it is quite a big business, really. Even though it's such a small sector, isn't it? Apples.
2: Yeah. Like it. It. it, it it's you know you don't really notice it, I suppose, because. Because it's easy to pass the places, you know that you know it's it, on a land area. It is it is very small, you know what I mean. It's you are talking about one and a half thousand acres, maybe in the south mm. of apples altogether. So you know what I mean. A couple of big <laughs> the, uh, yeah. cereals farms or whatever would be just as big, but it is it is quite an industry, I suppose. There is around three hundred people employed directly in it, and then you know downstream and upstream jobs as well. But I suppose it, in terms of the overall market, you know that the market for apples in Ireland much of which isn't Irish apples, of course, is about 120 million euros a year. So, that, you know, that's beginning to, to, to sound like a, like a big number then.
1: So we're recording this now, coming into the end of April, early May, and it's an amazing time of year, looking at the apple trees coming into blossom, little pink flowers or are a thing of beauty it's amazing to think in a few months time we will have rich fruit hanging from these same trees
0: yeah I absolutely agree it is such a beautiful time of year but you know what I also love it's the names of the varieties of apples like we've already thrown out a few names already but like what about the others so Jack here are a few heritage classics that you may know or maybe you've never even heard of them we've got Kerry Pippins Bloody Butcher Brown Crofton, Cavan Sugarcane, Ardcarn Russet, Irish Peach, Lady Fingers of Offley, Kilkenny Pearman, Widow's Friend. Oh my god, my breath is already gone. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you'd totally be bamboozled by the names of them all, but I just love the exoticness of Irish apple variety names.
1: Yeah, it's like and I hadn't heard of pretty much any of those, you know? Um, there really is so many different varieties. Okay, so here's the thing. We import 95% of our eating apples from places like South Africa, New Zealand, Chile and France. And that's despite the fact that we actually grow apples very well here. So can explain to us that Ireland's favourite apple on the shop shelves are pink ladies and galas, neither of which you would typically see in an Irish orchard? And uh, we
2: can grow neither gala nor pink lady here in Ireland, pink lady, because it would take two summers of our weather to grow it. And Ghana because of what I was talking about, about the cell division, it's one of the apples that just doesn't like a cold start to the summertime.
1: But we do grow great alternative varieties, such as John O'Goles, El Stars. The problem is the EU market supply chain has dictated our taste preferences. Khan explained to us how this came about and how his family, who had emigrated from the Netherlands to Ireland and set up their fruit farm in the 60s, brought the experience and knowledge with them
2: originally, you know, Ireland would have been quite, you know, once they fully sell sufficient apples, but, it, you know, from, you know, in a period in the years, back in the 1950s and so on, probably about half the apples grown in Ireland, eaten in Ireland were grown here. Um, okay. but, but that changed over time. Once, once you know, once Ireland joined the, the, what became the EEC, which became the EU, there was free trade. Um, It, it just wasn't competitive, to you know, to grow at the kind of prices that, that you know, that they were being grown out in France and large, mm. you know, large, okay. Large stands and so on, and and the industry here was not prepared for that kind of competition. Sure. You know what I mean? When you know it wasn't like the, the reason my parents were able to grow the apples and stay growing them is they were familiar with the kind of growing systems, continental okay. growing systems, and yeah. so on. But the people who had been growing apples here since the, you know since after the war, say they were obliterated as soon as the markets opened up because all their systems were old fashioned. Mm-hmm. You know the the the, the, the be probably fairly inefficient and that kind of thing, so yeah. so that caused a lot of uh, you know, really over the following, I suppose, from 1970 to 1990, it was just a continuous contraction. Yeah. Well, people still growing apples, but when they retired, there was nobody who replaced them, you know, the, the, um, or, or you know, some of them would have pulled up some apples and so on and just you know, concentrate on other types of farming, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. So, and now so, as a
0: result, our preferences for those imported apples really, yeah, yeah, yeah because there isn't any other, yeah, there isn't yeah. anything else in so. Now, who remembers Coleman Power from last week? He was our fitness expert and organic grower. And we asked him to fill us in on a little bit of the nutritional goodness of apples. Now, guys, if you need to wake up, this is it. I
4: love apples. Apples are a natural prebiotic. Okay, prebiotic, again, is something that is beneficial to your gut microorganisms. So when you eat an apple, it has a type of fiber that is... Uh, mat, your gut health is mad about. So when you eat that, then you naturally increase the likes of your beneficial gut microflora. You're remembering the fact that ninety percent of your serotonin is produced in your gut. When you eat more whole foods, you gain, I suppose, that increased happiness. That's why pe- people are generally healthier. They're happier. By Jesus, I'm eating as much whole foods as I possibly can. But again, that's one of those things that when you get things chemical free or you're growing your own apples in your backyard, they're not sprayed. So non-organic apples can be sprayed up to 10 times in a growing season which is actually crazy when you realise it so that main advantage is vitamin C, it's a natural prebiotic so prebiotics are the opposite to probiotics which are typically in like medicine and things like that or medication so it's something that's natural and it's refreshing, it contains water
0: Is it true that an apple a day keeps the doctor away?
4: Most certainly, especially if it's organic <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was Coleman for you. Non-stop high octane action. But there are many great things about apples because not only are they healthy and nutritious and they taste great, they are also amazing for our environment too. And I don't think it's fair to go any further without talking about these environmental benefits of apple trees. Because of course, we all know that trees improve the air quality and support an array of beneficial insects and microorganisms. They're great for pollinators and the bees love orchards. Now, a report completed at the University of Limerick has shown that apples are the only carbon sequesternising food crop currently being grown in Ireland. And their sequesternising ability is two thirds the same as forestry. That's pretty impressive, right? And this carbon sequesternisation is an area that Khan has a lot of knowledge in. So let's get his take on this.
2: When you when you plant a, a tree, obviously you're starting with a, with a soil which has a certain amount of carbon. Uh, in that, it depends whether you know if you're starting with a grassland soil that'll have more carbon than a, than a soil that's just been cultivated for years. You know, let's say if, you've, if it's a cereal farm or something like that, that tends mm. especially plowing, which is why farmers are going away from plowing now, they're going to minimum tail or zero tail or whatever. But the, you know, the plowing is very hard on the, on the carbon in the soil. Um, but yeah, you like we've had. Researchers do work here on on the soils on the farm, and you know they have been able to document increases in soil carbon over you know over ten years, over twenty mm. years, and so on. So so that's that's quite uh, quite hopeful. Of course, if you take out the trees and you go back to some other <laughs> form of cultivation, yeah. the chances are that that carbon will will begin to be lost again. Okay. Um, but you know, if you were increasing the size of the industry as a whole. You know what? I might what one person might be losing when they're taking out an orchard Will be will be you know you be gaining where somebody else is putting one one in or, or what have you. So from that point of view, it's definitely it's definitely good. And put to do, I suppose there's two reasons why you're getting that carbon sequestration to soil. One is all all the leafy materials landing on the on the ground every year and yeah. um, and the second thing then is is that this the normal industry standard way of dealing with prunings is just to chop them up to mulch them in place so you've got a little mulcher that goes on the tractor it just grinds the the, the 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 timber that's cut off um you know into not quite a dust but you know into chippings which which are gradually incorporated into the soil then as well so yeah
0: that's
2: where you're getting your your sequestration
0: And would other types of um, farming or industry like have the same carbon sequesternizing Mm -hmm. effect or are apples probably the best example of that?
2: Just from what I've seen, because I I had a look at, you know, data from from other countries and so on. And really the only crops that are getting attention in that regard are are crops that are growing on trees. So that would be, you know, in some countries it might be peaches or, you know, other other nut crops or whatever that are growing yeah. on trees but it does seem to be it does seem to be kind of limited to that in terms of actual sequestration not quite on you know at the level of, of what forestry would do but but you know okay. somewhere maybe two-thirds of that or whatever which is which is still quite a you know quite a substantial figure it, 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 i suppose in the other types of crops that we're talking about whether let's say whether screening grain and where people are doing mint min or zero till or whatever they're getting increases in their soil carbon as well but it's a different it, it's it's a di- it's a different it's a different emphasis than what you're t- talking about in 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 trees where it's where it's you're not changing the management to get that okay. increase if you know what I mean it just happened yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With, with existing management.
0: Gotcha. Interesting.
1: It is. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah,
0: that's yeah. really really cool.
2: The other interesting thing, uh, you know, from from that side it, uh, to me anyway, is the is the kind of biodiversity in in the orchard and trying to mm. trying to increase that. Of course, um, I suppose already more than 20 years ago growers became aware if you you know if you go back far enough i suppose that the, the history of of you know of, of management of pests and so on in horticulture would be would be further advanced than that in agriculture and, and one of the reasons for that let's say when i was in college there would have been chemicals that we were using you know yeah. in glass houses and stuff to control white fly and stuff like that and yeah.
5: it,
2: the main reason why people stopped using them wasn't that they were poisonous which which they were but it was mostly because they stopped working they you know these insects evolved to become resistant to those chemicals oh, yeah, of the course, yeah. industry wasn't even able, able to keep up with new molecules quickly enough to make the yeah. whole thing work so then people started looking at biological controls so you know can i put a, a, a spider or a, a wasp or something else in here that that'll, that'll control my pests and and that's a very evolved industry at this stage so let's say if you if you buy tomatoes now that are grown in ireland they will never have been sprayed with a pesticide pesticide. they'll all be it'll all be biological controls other things will be brought into the glass house to manage (laughs)
0: that's interesting i went to visit a salmon farm and uh they were using cleaner fish in the same method yeah same way yeah exactly
2: and that's um, that's gone now moved into you know subsequently into into outdoor horticultural crops like apples and so on. So we're trying to trying to manage a, a very basic ecology in the orchard. So the the orchard is is, is it's nowhere near as complex as an ecosystem, but it, it does have an ecology with with moving parts. Maybe you know ten, twenty, thirty, forty different species in there that you're trying to manage to do either to pollinate or to eat something else right. or to you know right. what I mean so it, it's it that that's a quite an interesting part of <laughs> of growth
3: well I'd have to say
6: the the John go red is my favorite um, Johnny what, go red John I go red go red. It, yeah, it's all one word. Uh, that's my favourite apple. Um, it has the perfect balance of, um, you know, crispness. Um, so it's lovely, lovely texture, lovely flavour, right level of juice. You know, it's
1: just perfect for me. So that voice you hear there is Dermot Callan. He's the head of the Horticultural Development Department at Tagisk. Their remit is to support the sector from a research and advisory perspective. Tagusk have recently recognised the apple growing sector in terms of a headspace for growth. We spoke to Dermot about the recognition and potential of the industry here and the work that Tagusk are doing to help the sector develop. So what is the growth vision for 20-30 years' time? But why is it so hard to get an Irish apple on the shelf in the first place? So think, what difference would it make if we looked a little bit harder to get a locally grown rather than an imported apple?
6: With with globalisation and very long supply chains, it it was uh, easier maybe over the years to get cheaper apples from lower cost economies and import Mm. them into Ireland. They store pretty well. They store for 12 months of the year. You can transport apples from the southern hemisphere and so on and so forth. So supermarkets and kind of those international arrangements for sourcing fruit and vegetables has meant that the apple, uh, probably one of the best in terms of supply chain because it can Mm. be brought from anywhere in the world. And supermarkets have focused on on those international arrangements for sourcing fruit mm. and veg, which includes the apple. So mm. now I think there's a bit of a shift where where consumers are are more conscious of where their food comes from.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, we've seen impacts, I suppose, in supply chains over over. Well, you can argue that we've had three rounds now. We've had Brexit, we've had COVID, and now we have a Ukrainian. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, invasion, uh, the Russian invasion of U- the Ukraine, which has has kind of really uh, set the cat among the pigeons in terms of of some of those supply chains. So there's obviously, you know, over the last five, six, seven years, there ha- has been a lot of kind of, I suppose, policy impetus to try and mm-hmm. address some of these areas that have been left go. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
6: and I think Apples, we've identified Apples as a sector that has a lot of headroom for growth, okay. or has some headroom for growth at least because... Yeah. Um, we look at the, the sector and we see that, that, as you said a moment ago, you know, it's more or less 95% import when we talk about eating apples, uh, for the reasons I've outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a marginal climate for growing apples compared to other climates in Europe and yeah. for afield. field. But it doesn't mean that we should not be growing uh, any. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at countries like Scandinavia and, and Denmark, uh, look at Holland, look at um the uk even which is closer to home and they're all producing 20 25 30 percent of mm-hmm. the domestic requirements when it comes mm-hmm. to eating apples so there is headroom there to try and develop the irish eating apple scenario yeah there's, there's also headroom to try and develop the uh cider apple uh mm-hmm. the bittersweet apple which is dedicated to cider production and um the the bramley or cooking apple uh, so you know there's three kind of areas of apple production that have potential.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: we've recently identified uh, eating apples as the one with the most headroom, we would say. Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's, that's, you know, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked around, yeah. around, you have to develop a research program. You have to find varieties that can compete in the marketplace, um, that can be grown here. You have to find varieties that growers can make a book growing. In other words, it has to be profitable. Um, I've seen too many instances of of varieties where where the the, the apple itself um from a taste or sensory analysis perspective in the marketplace fits the bill, it's fine.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: But from a yield perspective it just doesn't do it. Um, yeah. so it's it's hitting the mark from a from a skin finish and and a taste perspective, but it doesn't necessarily give any sort of volume of yield, yeah. at least in this part of the world. So we have to bring we have to bring along all the different agronomic elements. If we want to try and develop an apple variety that can take some of the market, um, we have to kind of uh, you know, there's a lot of strings to the bow, you know, there's the whole marketing piece as well that has to be mm. brought along and the consumer has to be educated around the apple, the seasonality of the Irish apple and so on.
0: Mm. Um I'm interested in I suppose the supports that Chagask are um doing for potential apple growers because like obviously you know you've mentioned there there's a huge kind of uh cost in terms of time and uh research and and everything that it would take to get a successful uh orchard up and up and running like um can you tell us about you know i suppose how somebody who might be interested in getting into that field would even go about contacting you or using some of the supports that you're doing or what is the actual plan and framework for moving that forward?
6: Well, what I'd say, to be honest, Jolene, I'd say that the, the framework is in development because we've yeah. just hired a research officer who would hit the ground uh, in July. Um, I have to manage expectation here by saying mm. that uh, the, the blueprint of, of production needs to be developed based around mm. new varieties. So we need to do some variety trialing.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: We need to put them into a production system.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
6: you can imagine um, the idea of planting an orchard, if you want to plant one acre of orchard, it'll cost mm-hmm. 10,000 euros to plant it.
0: Mm.
6: and you'll wait two to three years before you start to have yield Mm. so it's a very very serious investment uh, Mm. in terms of uh, and there's a lot of front loading of that investment as well so for us to start giving advice to growers about about growing a particular variety or a program of varieties for a market Mm. we have to dot a lot of eyes and cross a lot of teams and Mm. at the moment um we've had we've not had a research program or an advisory program in apples for Mm. a, a long number of years. Mm-hmm. And we're making a start to get back to, mm-hmm. to start at the beginning again and develop a program, which answers yeah. all these questions. Yeah. Because if, if a grower or a potential grower comes to me today, what they need to know is what should they be planting? Where can mm-hmm. they source the trees? What are the cost and returns? So you need to do a cost and returns exercise, which is mm-hmm. effectively a business case for mm-hmm. that production mm-hmm. system. Um, growers also need or potential growers need to know that there's no... It's not like, uh, you know, mainstream agriculture where you have commodity prices available, widely available and so on. And you have markets and creameries and uh, mm-hmm. grain merchants and so on where you can sell your product. If you're getting into Apple production, you need to have the potential to be market interfacing yourself, mm. you know, to find your own market.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
6: the case in the horticultural sector in general. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the producers are engaging with consolidators at a minimum who are wholesalers. Or they're dealing directly with supermarkets, or they're direct selling uh, into the market. But mm-hmm. they do they do have some marketing expertise. So to be honest, uh, somebody getting into this sector would need would need that. They need to be bringing that potential at least to the game, as well yeah. as maybe be having land uh, and having having then the capacity to absorb the knowledge that that will emanate
0: from this research yeah. program. You know. What's your vision um, for the Irish apple industry, say, in 20 years' time?
6: For 20 years, the vision is, is really to see 25 to 30% of eating apples being Irish. Okay. And, and for there to be a celebration in autumn, in season, when the Irish eating apples come on spring Lovely. Same way as we currently have Irish strawberries. When, when Irish strawberries hit the scene here, uh, and it's earlier every year, when Irish strawberries uh, hit the shelf, they completely displace imports. Yeah. The Irish consumer vote with their feet. Uh, and they, they just go for Irish because Irish strawberries are one day old. And some, mm-hmm. sometimes they're only a half a day old when they yeah. hit the shelf. And the difference in terms of that short supply chain and freshness and taste is pretty phenomenal when you compare it to something which has been imported.
0: That's for sure. And, absolutely. And I suppose agree. I'd
6: yeah. like to see the same happening from, a, from an apple perspective, that, that, that we actually celebrate Irish apples and that people are, attach a value to Irish apples in the context of it being local. Mm-hmm. being sustainable, uh, and the providence that it hasn't travelled uh, around the world and that we can be proud of an Irish eating apple and look forward to it every year. Um, and obviously promoted in that context. If you look at other countries like Scandinavia, there are many, many festivals across Europe around the apple harvest, the typical mm-hmm. harvest period. And it's something we should get back to here, celebrating celebrating in-season, in-season production. Um, additionally, I suppose one of the key drivers for us here would be the fact that The sustainability credentials of producing apples locally is pretty immense. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea that that orchards sequester carbon and orchard soils sequester carbon, uh, it's a pretty uh, important concept, particularly as we know the consumer now is very um, concerned, and we all are, about sustainability of our food. But the idea that you have an orchard, which is not an annual crop, it's a perennial crop. So you have an orchard that's growing for 15 or 20 or 25 years, producing apples. Um, fixing maybe 11 or 12 tons of carbon every year uh, as it grows. It's a really, really positive story, I think, in terms of today's yes. consumer. It's
1: a bit of a no-brainer. So what we're going to have is um, a big harvest party, which actually works really perfectly, too, because you you have savory things you can do with apples and you obviously have loads of sweet things, but you have the drink as well, though. I was going to say the Cider, <laughs> So it kind of makes her
3: uh,
6: a yeah. pretty full party, you know. It's, pre- it's pretty good. Jack, you went straight to the party element of what I said. <laughs> hey, listen, party sells. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good point. But, uh, it's really around the whole concept of promoting uh, uh, the Irish apple. So if we do have an Irish apple, we have to value it. Uh, there's not much point in it being sold at 49 cent a kilo. And yeah. uh, below cost. Or It has to be valued in, in the supply chain and by the consumer.
0: And sure, with Apple Harvest in mind and Cider Fest, I think this is where apples become really, really fun. Because when you think about cider, it's probably the most Irish drink of them all, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, For most people, we think of summer days, sipping pint glasses of refreshing cider over ice outside in the sunshine. And while personally I can think of nothing more refreshing, it is, of course, a stereotype that our next guest is going to debunk. Because cider is a year round drink and a most excellent accompaniment for food.
1: Yeah, the process of cider making harks back to the Celts who first made it. So, cider is actually fermented and it is probably more akin to wine than it is to brewing or distilling. Now, there is, of course, a revolution in craft cider making in Ireland in the past couple of decades, and you've probably seen that with the bottles on the shelves. And now, this is a big step away from the mass produced ciders that have actually a very low apple juice content. So the types of craft ciders that we're talking about are produced by the juice of pressed apples, never from concentrate. And they're actually made without adding any yeast at all. A lot of, we've a
2: lot of small scale cider makers still. Mm. So I can go one, two, I can get three in Cork, Waterford. There's um, L- Legacy. Um, Legacy, that's yeah. yeah. McDonald. Mm. Then you've got James, I don't know who, who works with him. He's in Caricature then there's my own. Uh, if we go further east, you've got the High Bank and Kilkenny,
5: yeah.
2: um, and then you're heading a little bit more, okay, Carl Brewing or making cider as well. Mm. Then there's um, Ola McNeese up in Drodda, there's David Dwellen in Dublin, there's um, Mark Jenkinson, who does mm. um there's Slane, mm. and I'm sure I'm missing people in that quick runoff there as well so that, that's already quite a few quite a few small scale cider makers that are all exactly like you're saying making you know independent
0: Khan just whipped out some of the names of the artists and cider makers in the country and that was still a list that was shy of a few but we were lucky enough to talk to william o'callaghan of longville house near mallow in county cork whose late father michael planted 25 acres of cider apple orchard in 1985 in the estate so we're about to hear the story of his dad. What was he like for a character?
3: No, he was a, he was a, yeah, he was a, a simple country man, really. Yeah. A good Irish man. And a, he was, he was very proud of uh, his um, history. And his, uh, he's, he was straight down the middle in that one, you know, he was a, yeah. uh, he was a good, good Irishman really. And proud of his heritage and. Um, I think that's what I picked up most from him, really. Nice. And uh thought that, like, if the French can make um, apple brandy, why can't we? If they can do this, why can't we, you know? So he had, um, he he gives a great sense of, um, you, know, you know, get off your ass and do it yourself.
1: And, yeah, well ahead of his time, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. In he fairness, was that ahead.
1: type of thinking and, and like food protection and stuff like that now just seems so obvious, but it wasn't before, you know. yes exactly
0: yeah 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 so william mentioned apple brandy here an unusual one you might think and you're right because it was the unusual and the can-do attitude and the pioneering spirit that brought eventual success which is still continued to this day at longville
3: people didn't really know what to think you know okay but he got first he got the first micro um um distilling license Outside the top three we just mentioned, which were, um, um, it was Middleton so back in the The top
0: three here that are referred to are Middleton, Bushmills, and Cooley distilleries, who were the only ones in existence at this time. And not only this, but Michael was, in fact, the first man ever to try to grow grapes here in Ireland with the intention of producing his own Irish wine. How do you think that worked out?
3: Um, but you know, the weather came against him, and uh, he was always uh, mad into. Growing fruit and.
0: So it really was a case of trial and error. And while there was no real consistency in growing grapes, thanks to our wonderful climate, the orchards continued to flourish and thrive. These original cider orchards that were planted at the time still give fruit today, which is absolutely amazing. And the varieties that are used are Michelin and Dabinet cider apples, which are naturally higher in tannins, giving that classic, dry, clean, and crisp cider taste that we all love. So we chatted to William about the many ways we can enjoy cider, because that's probably the most important part, right?
1: In terms of food pairings, what have you heard back? Is is nice food pairings to have with Longville House cider?
3: Um. Well, cheese, mm. uh, good with it.
0: Mm.
3: Uh, fish. I think, I think probably anything. I'm not trying to oversell or anything. Yeah, but yeah.
0: yeah.
3: I, I don't I don't particularly get too bogged down myself in. Um, and what I, what, what I could drink what I could drink red wine with you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 do you
0: know what's been a real hit that I've seen uh, with your cider is the hot cider um, that you, the hot mull cider that you've had um, yeah like, that's a good one yes. at, at winter time yeah. well, that's really nice and, and it, it
3: prolongs the kind of that's the other perception people have is you can only drink cider during the summer absolutely uh, yeah but you can drink cider all year round and
0: yeah. uh,
3: and uh, I suppose on the cold days uh, the Mul cider goes
0: it's pretty
3: well. Absolutely delicious. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: And fantastic. You do quite a bit of that over the winter,
1: mm-hmm. which is a good one. I personally find cooking with Longville House cider to be fantastic compared with any other, even other artisan ciders as well. Um, okay. Longville House holds up really well in the dish. So, uh, boiling like any kind of pork or, or, or mm. something list, like that, I'd put in ham,
3: ham. Yeah, I yeah. put in
1: a cup. I would put in a cup of Longville house in with the water. So like doing ribs now or something like that, I would yeah. put in a little bit of the mm-hmm. cider into yeah. the into the boiling water, too, you know, and it mm-hmm. makes a nice broth then afterwards that you can end up. turning. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: one of my favorite combinations with cider is a uh, big bowl of mussels in the summertime.
3: Absolutely. Yes,
0: or that's cook the, that's what I cook, cook the, the mussels in the cider. We do that. Mm-hmm. here. Yeah, very, very nice. Yeah. God, you'd be getting hungry listening to this, Jack, wouldn't you? Yeah. But he's right. Pairing cider with food. I mean, you can never go wrong, really.
1: And cooking food with cider.
0: Mm-mm. Absolutely.
1: So what I've always really loved about Longville House is the range of different types of products and ciders that they do. Mm. So you've got the traditional cider um, and then they make this amazing apple brandy, which, by the way, is a gorgeous drink, but it's also another good ingredient when you cook. Mm. So they put the regular cider... Into the apple brandy barrels, which gives kind of an extra kick, and they create what they call more cider. So it's kind of like a fortified cider. On top of that, then they've got apple reductions and different vinegars, um, you name it. It just goes on to show you how many byproducts are made from apples. Like nothing goes to waste. And the whole concept of circular economy and reusing and using every single element of output is the way that many people in the apple growing and production sector are working these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to our final guest, Elaine Gard of Future Orchard. She told us about the community cooperative orchard, who harvest about a ton of apples every year.
5: Hi there. Uh, I'm Elaine, Uh, the founder of Future Orchard. People know of Future Orchard, it's out in Glenmire. Uh, It's been in existence nearly 11 years now. Started as a community supported agriculture which basically grows apple trees and tries to do uh, recycling of bottles and various things.
0: Tell us um, about the like the shareholders and how people can get involved, like a community. What's that like?
5: Okay, so the idea of the orchard is that like there's really strength in numbers, um, but like. I often tell people it's not a utopian thing where people are coming and all working. It's really more about combining resources, financial resources to develop an orchard. Now, orchards can exist for hundreds of years, so but you have to really work at them for the first 10 or 20 years. So we finally have our orchard more or less fully planted now. And from for the next decade, it'll be about maintaining it. And after that, really, it should be very sustainable um, and productive. We already have a juice. We're very small scale, um, but we have a nice little juice. And we also take other people's apples that might go to waste and include it in our juicing because we are so um, such a small project.
0: So would like it, you mentioned sustainability. That's obviously important uh, yes. for the whole thing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the sustainable okay. practices? That you so
5: do? we would see um, the model that Future Orchard is using as um, like a beacon uh, for other people to try similar projects uh, in terms of pooling resources to develop uh, like sustainable projects. Uh, so financially sustainable, is it's important because a lot of community projects aren't financially sustainable. You have to keep funding them. So the idea of the orchard is that the apple juice will keep coming year after year. So yearly product um, and, it will it's you know it's it's and it can be made into um produce that people want that we're importing a lot of and um and there's no reason not to grow it here.
0: Actually that's a really important point isn't it that like apples, do you know when you go into a supermarket and you see apples from Chile or New Zealand like that drives me absolutely
5: well it, it would but I have to tell you that it's really difficult to store apples. Um, and people want a particular we're spoiled in the 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 modern world on how an apple should look, you know, we want consistency of shape and colour and, you know, no blemishes. But actually, that's why making juice from Irish apples really works, because you don't have to look at the apples. I mean, we some summers last year was a beautiful year. The apples were amazing. Most years, Irish apples look a bit shabby, to be quite honest. Um, But to store apples all winter, they've got to be basically frozen. You need massive infrastructure, for that as well. So that's where we're, we're not going there. We're just going to juice the apples we have. It's, there's less involved.
0: What does your apple juice
5: taste like? Tastes lovely. <laughs> but basically there's nothing added. People say, oh, you know, is there sugar? Is there, there's no sugar or water. It's just apples pressed. Um, the apple farm in Tipperary uh, are very supportive of anyone with apple trees around the country who would like to make it into juice. And don't forget, uh, you know, you can store that and you give it as gifts and um, and co- connect with us on Facebook. If you have apples that would go to waste and we'll arrange and you can get your apple juice back from us at a small, at the cost price, really. Um, and we we actually get the odd little grant from count, the county council, the city council, to help us promote these kind of things uh, with people. Cool. Yeah. That sounds good, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, no, it's it's. There's it enough to it, like. There's a lot to it, but you know, but other people could be doing very similar things all around the country. and yeah. So
0: this is kind of like a motivator, or you're trying to inspire other people to...
5: We're, yes, we're trying to inspire other people to do something small and try to keep it small, because the temptation is to make it too big. So, yeah, you know, small is also beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's lovely
0: isn't that lovely hmm. yeah and that, that's that's a lovely end to our apple journey around the country it was a really nice episode this time
1: yeah really fun doing this and I think although we tried to make sure we touched on on everyone that we thought could give us a little part of this you know have a look around find a local orchard near you there are so many really in spite of the fact that the market seems to be quite small and or have a look plant and your own see, apple tree. plant your own apple tree too if you've the space to do it but taste Irish varieties because I really believe that that whole pink lady kind of knot that we're caught in it's not the best apple out there
0: yeah no I mean we absolutely have huge variety here there's so much character to Irish apples they're really delicious it's a beautiful versatile seasonal fruit you can't Mm -hmm. really go wrong
1: no absolutely thanks to everybody who
0: oh yeah I was going to say like even though they might be underappreciated and they're not always as easy to find as these imports they're absolutely mighty and we love them
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks to everybody who contributed this week thank you Jolene
0: thank you too Jack
1: and we'll see you next week week.
0: oh yeah and subscribe if you're going to hang around oh yeah and leave a comment (laughs) and a review (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) we're very good at marketing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, right (laughs)